bitch. Ah, you know what old Jack Burton always says at a time like this? When you have to shoot, shoot, don't talk. Bitch, the Chicago. Hey everyone, what is up? It is me, Ewan, and welcome to a new episode of the We Love Dad Movies podcast. We're continuing the summer vibe season this week with another undisputed 90s banger. Yes, we're diving into my personal favourite of the Die Hard franchise and one of my favourite action movies of all time. We are going into Die Hard with a Vengeance because it is the epitome of summer blockbuster vibes. You know, everyone talks about Die Hard being a good, you know, being for Christmas. Die Hard with a Vengeance it it, it's, it it shows that it's for the summer as well, you know? From the moment you get the Love and Spoonful stuff, it's just great. It's a wonderful movie. I love it. And uh, with me today to talk about Die Hard with a Vengeance as a guest I'm very excited to have on the podcast, please give a warm welcome to my new What Culture co-worker, Adam Strawn. Hello. Hey, how's it going? It's so nice to do this. Thank you so much for having me on you. And I'm I'm excited to talk about this movie in particular. And Ewan might not have mentioned this. In fact, he didn't because we just heard. But uh, Ewan and I were having pizza together and we were talking about dad movies. In and Bath. Then, in Bath, darling. And then, uh, obviously, this movie came up and we both pretty much at the same time were like, it is the best of the diehards. And we were like, what? We need to discuss this. So here we are. I'm excited to get into it. Yeah, I'm super hyped too. I should also actually say, I don't think I've mentioned on the podcast that I've returned to What Culture because I set this up after <laughs> I left and now I'm back. But yes, I am back working at What Culture. People listening who follow me on there you probably see a few videos that we've been in. Um, Adam, you joined the same month that I did when I came back. So yeah, it's been fun getting in the swing of things again in the old office. Um, and it, honestly, you have saved me a day because I was searching far and wide. I was like... Would someone please agree with me that Die Hard with a Vengeance is the best <laughs> Die Hard? I lit the Die Hard with a Vengeance signal, and you answered. <laughs> 100. I always will answer that signal. Like, literally, that is my bat signal. Like, if anyone's <laughs> having that conversation, I will stand there and be like, yep, I will die on this hill. It is the best <laughs> one. It's it's not even an opinion. It's fact. <laughs> yeah, it totally is fact. But yeah, do you want to give a quick introduction to yourself to the audience? Just let them know who you are, what you do. Yeah, sure. So obviously, my name is Adam Strawn. Uh, I obviously work with you, and as he politely said there at the beginning, but as well, I have my own podcasts, uh, which you can check out if you want as well. I do two podcasts. Uh, one of them is called Last Week On, which is obviously a riff on Last Week On, uh, which is very much kind of TV show based. We have done a couple of video games on there as well. We recently went through all of The Last of Us episode by episode, which was a lot of fun. And then we do classic movies, um, stuff from like also the 90s as well, like the butterfly effect we did on there and um moving out of that we did both kill bills recently which you and you and knows is my favorite tarantino <laughs> and i've said that many times and we'll keep saying um so yeah it's 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 fun we do like tv shows we do movies uh we obviously we did invincible the animated series as well which i adore so yeah check it out if you're into that stuff uh the other podcast i do is called into you so that's just me and another guest and it's me talking to somebody all about them so like their journey through life what they've been through what they've gotten up to what they've learned and I just, yeah, it's like a deep dive into that person. So on there, I've had people like guitarists from bands. I've had psychologists. I've had doctors. Um, so it's like a nice kind of mixture of different people. So every single week, it's just a different dive into someone else's life. And I'm really interested in that. So yeah, so I do them too. Apart from that, <laughs> outside of that, do a little bit of acting uh, as well. But um, but yeah, mainly just content creation. And I think that's kind of what, as well as working together, I think that's why you and I kind of, ride on the same wave very often because we just have the same kind of focus on content creation and 
most of the time agree on movies. Yeah, most of the time. I feel like yeah. we both get excited about movies. There's that same mm. buzz. That's it's always yes. like when um like the 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 Die Hard when that thing clicked. It's like oh, it's, it, it, do you like the thing too? <laughs> put the five gallon jug and the three gallon jug. Oh, yeah. yes, I can't wait to talk about that thing in particular because my method is different from the way they do it in the movie. Yeah, so yeah. there's two ways to do this, which I'm sure you'll probably know already. Yeah. <laughs> Before we get into Die Hard, though, I have to ask the obligatory new guest question on the Dad Movies podcast. Adam, what to you is a dad movie? Oh, this is interesting. So there's a number of ways to answer this question, but to to kind of draw off my own experience of watching movies with my dad, it's kind of that. Like, it's like a movie where, like, I, growing up, my parents are massive movie buffs, right? They've always gone to the cinema, like, always since we were younger and then we used to go with them obviously when we were old enough and there's always movies happening in the house you know and like you and I were chatting saying you know like we quote movies so often as well and impersonate the actors saying them my parents do exactly the same and especially in the dad movies so the dad movies are movies which I have watched so much with both my parents but in particular my dad and I can just quote them and these tend to be <laughs> for me personally nothing too highbrow you know you can put it on any time of the day And just sit down, chill, and just have a bloody good time. Usually these fall within the 90s, early 2000s. Quite often kind of dip into the 80s as well, because there's some great stuff in that era. And it's just stuff that you can sit down, put on. Like, you can be in any frame of mind, and you can jump into this movie and have fun. You know, and it's not necessarily too much of a thinky movie. It's not too much of, maybe not too much of an emotional movie. It's just good, classic fun. And that, for me, is a dad movie. And this is why Die Hard is the epitome of a dad movie yeah i mean i don't know i get emotionally tortured whenever uh zeus gets shot in the knee man that's yes. that's heartbreaking that is a scene <laughs> <laughs> but yeah that's really cool so yeah die hard with a vengeance this is the obviously the third installment of the die hard franchise i don't think the listeners here are going to need big oodles of context on this movie you know even <laughs> though the first die hard is obviously you know the most well known the most well seen um, a brief recap on With a Vengeance. So this came out in 1995. It saw uh, legendary action filmmaker John McTiernan. I've always got to gas him up on this podcast. I think the dude's amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, returns to the franchise after Rennie Harlan directed Die Hard 2. Comes from a script that was originally optioned for a Brandon Lee movie called Simon Says. They, I don't know if you know this, Adam, but there was a period in time where one of the scripts submitted for Die Hard 3 was uh, the script that eventually got used for Speed 2 Cruise Control. <laughs> I did just read about that. Isn't that wild? Imagine yeah. Willem Dafoe in this movie. Wild. But yeah, um, so yeah, Simon Says was a really popular script. Uh, it was, at one point in time, I believe, used for potential option as a lethal weapon movie. And then it found its way to Fox with producer Andrew Vanya uh, and became Die Hard with a Vengeance, you know? And uh, I think, you know, everyone talks about this movie as being the one that really divests from the traditional Die Hard formula. You know, the first two is set at Christmas. The sequel is very reiterative you know it follows the same beats as even the bit where you know john mcclain's like how can the same thing happen to the same guy twice you know like this, it's very much playing <laughs> up on the whole oh this thing is happening again whereas with a vengeance you know it goes back to it's a john it's about john mcclain like you know that's what i love about this movie is that it's not about the formula it's about the characters. Um, and what I love about it is that obviously, you know, we get to see John in New York. We get to see McTiernan, you know, experimenting action-wise, doing all this cool stuff, trying to, you know, get into the buddy formula too. Um, but yeah, it basically sets, it's set up in around New York during the summer, during a very hot summer. 
Uh, this film is so hot and sweaty. I love it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and basically, what happens is there is a there is a guy blowing things up. There's a guy blowing things up, and he is obsessed with John McClane. But why is he obsessed with John McClane? It turns out that it's actually Hans Gruber's brother Simon, played to perfection by just an inform Jeremy Irons. How good is he in this man? <laughs> uh, he's good in everything he touches, honestly. Like that man, I have followed his career like unintentionally, like through the years. Um, I mean, like Man in the Iron Mask is just like gold and he's the big reason for that um but i'll watch him in anything and i mean you know even like more recently when he played alfred pennyworth um in those alfred. yeah brilliant alfred like brought so much to so little um but yeah and then especially in this i mean he just rocks up man especially considering he wasn't even the director's first choice right i mean that is incredible to step up and bring what he brought to that role it's him it's iconically him you don't think of any other actor you think of him We'll get into it um, when we get into like the villain stuff, but I do love how weirdly McLean and uh, Simon get along. Like whenever yeah. they have interactions together, there's like you know they're both knocking back painkillers. They're both kind of like you know <laughs> trading barbs and stuff. There's some good banter there. I really <laughs> like it. You know, it yeah. is a game that it's McLean's to to win and stuff, and it's uh it's so good. But yeah, um, basically after you know being targeted, Samuel Jackson. A um, he's a shop owner in Harlem. A guy called Zeus Carver, great name. Um, he basically unwittingly gets himself involved in this situation by rescuing John during one of the games that Simon has set up for him. Uh, that he's starting to blow up, you know, other places in New York if he doesn't comply. And then they basically go over together in a race against time to try and what they think is a race against time to disarm more bombs, which is but what is actually, you know. A ruse. There's another heist involved. John McTaden loves his heists um, to steal uh, gold from the New York Federal Reserve, which is, in actual fact, you know, it's it's beefier than Fort Knox. And I think mm-hmm. I think the writer actually got a call from like the FBI or someone, being like, "How did you? How did you know so much about like the Federal Reserve? That's so funny." What? Like, you... Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, that's that's the that's the main you know overview of Die with a Vengeance. Great premise. It's such a great time. Adam, what's you? about this movie makes it better than the original. Because Die Hard 1, for me, is a five-star movie. Die mm-hmm. Hard with a Vengeance is also a five-star movie. I think they're both on par with each other, but this is my favourite. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's the buddy cop thing. I think, you know, like, the pair of them together, like, both Bruce Willis and Samuel L. Jackson, are electric off each other in this movie from start to finish. And as you said as well, you and like, the setting, the first of the Die Hards to be set, obviously, in New York as well. I mean... You know, my heart belongs in New York. I adore the place. My partner lives there. So my partner lives in Harlem. So like, you know, watching it back with fresh eyes was really nice to see. But yeah, it's just that it is that buddy cop feeling all the way through this. And I love the kind of the double ending of this movie where it could clearly wrap up at one point and then it goes on. Yeah, it's just it's one of those movies that literally when it starts, it does not stop. And I love that. Like, it's just someone's pressing fast forward, let's go, let's keep the momentum going. And you just, you're along for the ride. Just when you think things can't get any worse, they get worse. And that that's kind of a thing all the way through Die Hard. But especially with this and him having Samuel L. Jackson alongside him, there is that kind of, you know, we know John McClane. We don't know Samuel L. Jackson at this point. So we care for him. And we watch John McClane actively look out for this one person he's just met all the way through this movie as well and form a friendship there as well as with the villain. But yeah, it's just... 
it's it's a masterclass in filmmaking in so many ways, which I'm sure we'll get into as well, because the way some of those scenes are shot and some of the sequences are shot, my God. Maternin is the master. And you can, you're right, yeah. the script is a thing of beauty. You can really tell why it was so coveted and kind of, you know, shopped around for big franchises when it mm. came in. Um, but it's so well suited. You know, the, the way that they adapted this for Die Hard is so well done. I really love the beaten down version of McLean we get here. Like, you know, with the first one and the second, you know, those are both great performances from Willis. But I like, I think he taps into another layer of the character here with that kind of, you know, he, he's at his lowest. And it's not a low that you expect, given that he ends on such a high in both the previous yeah. two movies, which is very 80s, you know? We always get, like, the, the heroic ending in the, like, the 80s action movie. Like, you know, the, he gets he gets the girl, he gets his family back, he, he vanquishes the bad guy. Whereas here now, we're in the, the go-go 90s, um, things are a little bit more murky and, and contemplative. And I really like that, you know... I think like some people probably dislike one of the reasons why with a vengeance maybe doesn't have as hot a reputation as the first probably maybe down the fact that you know McLean's ending or happy ending is kind of taken away from him but for the purpose of this film I think it really works and I like this kind of not grittier version of the character although I absolutely do think that he is even more ruthless in this than he is in like the past two terminating dudes with extreme prejudice in that um I just really <laughs> really like what he taps into here it's so good it's so world weary but also determined he's kind of like ah oh, you know i know I, I know that it's done that i'm doing this again but god damn it i'm gonna get it done um and one of the reasons why i love die with avengers so much partially as well i should establish is that this is one of those franchises that was shown out of order to me by my parents so mm-hmm. die hard with a vengeance was the first one that I saw because I think they thought that the first movie would have been too violent for me. I think I saw this one when I was, oh, oh I think I was, it must have been 10 or 11. I think I might have been 10. And I remember it being my big entrance into like grown up movies. I was like, oh my God, there's like, there's guns here and there's murder and the good guys are doing the guns and the murder. This is like so cool. Mm. Um, and yeah, so that's partially, I think, has been what's also morphed this 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 opinion that I have that Die Hard with Avengers is the best one. Um, I have to say as well though, like John McClane for me is at his best in this movie. Like, oh yeah, I know, I know. Like in the first movie, don't get me wrong, like it's iconic him crawling through the air vents, all of this, like you know, feet cut to ribbons. Of course, it's iconic, and his final fight with Hans, you know, it's amazing. Like letting him go, all of that. But what I love about this is, as you say, it's when John McClane's at his absolute lowest, right, and literally has to ask like has to have his badge given back to him at one point to do this right is that you know he even says i've got a damn headache and he has a headache all the way through this movie he's like hung over he's such like you know just in this down kind of mess of a place lost everything as you said but is still the hero you know and that says so much about the john McLean character whereas other characters may have walked away may have given up but he doesn't give up even though he's had everything taken away from him the responsibility still falls in his lap and he still steps up and that's what I really love about this is that he just he turns that narrative around and does become a almost an anti-hero in some ways, yeah. but still manages to overcome, you know, everything within this movie and still, you know, brings along for the ride Samuel L. Jackson Zeus character as well. That's what I love about McLean so much in this. It's just his determination. Straight away he's there to save people. That's that's intrinsic to who he is. He's not just doing it for the sense of anything else. That's what I love about John McLean, and that's what we get in this movie. Totally. And like, it's one of those things where even though at the end of the film, you know, he does have, he does get a quarter to call Holly. Yes. It's not like he is, 
ironed out all of his kinks. He's still like, you know, it's not just an open and shut thing. Um, there's that great, but I think there are so many great action sequences in this. And by the way, one of the best things about this film was that the first bullet isn't fired until like an hour into the thing. Um, but the the bit where he's on the boat and the the one of the um, one of Gruber's men is like, uh, "Don't shoot" in German, and he shoots him, and he's like, "What the fuck was that?" And then the other guy, the Hungarian guy, is like, oh, "He said, don't shoot." I just I love I think that. <laughs> That is such a great element to it because I feel like, you know, in the first movie, he almost tries and arrests the first terrorist he goes up against or the first bank robber. We always call them, ter- them terrorists in the first dialogue and they're not terrorists. Um, yeah. <laughs> but in this, he's just like, I'm not going to waste any time doing that anymore. He fires the first shot pretty much in most in most firefights here, whether it's the, oh my God, the, the brutally brilliant elevated sequence where... Oh. He- gets like yes. the, the the lottery number stuff which again i went I, i've not put the episode out yet at the time of recording me and zan did one on men in black the other week which is going to be the the first of the summer vibes things reason why i love the men in black script is that it always pays off those little little tiny details it plants them at the beginning and then they come back in big ways so at the beginning mm. of Die Hard with a vengeance we not only have the lottery number stuff we also have um the, the as as they're picking mclean up to drop him off in harlem they're also going over like just generic petty crimes that have occurred, and one of them is that they mention is the fourteen dump trucks that have been stolen, like just offhand in that bit, and then they come back and pay into it. And I love, I love how those little things get seeded and they come back in. And um, yeah, I, I've been rambling long enough. I just really, really love this movie. <laughs> oh, like honestly, that's why we're here. Um, but I love it as well. I love all. I love a good callback. Right. And I love when it's done well. And like even just, you know, the two bullets thing, like at the end, like it's the same thing, the same method of like ending the movie in a very similar way to take out Simon. Love that so much. But I think the thing for me, and really this was kind of like formative for me, was seeing how action movies can be done. And I had the same kind of feeling with another similar film, Last Action Hero. Um, oh, God, I know. yes, I, yes. We, we can talk about that in another time because that's a whole <laughs> podcast in itself. But um it really showed me how action can be done and not just done for the sake of like, you know, here's something exploding, but just done really bloody well. It ties intrinsically to the kind of mission that the character's on, the hard falls that they have to go through and the the pressure. You know, like John McClane's just having a really shitty day, as he always is. But the way some of this is filmed, my God, the taxi sequence through Central Park is a joy to watch. Yeah. Everything about that... Like, are you aiming for these so people? Close. No, Literally. maybe that mime. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and like, just all of it, like bursting out onto the motorway, like following the all of that, fantastic. But as well, like, it's riddled with so much humor. Like, it is one of those movies that you can, you know, you and I will quote to death. Like, just the little moments, like when you know, like when Bruce Willis is like trying to convince that woman to get off the phone, and Samuel L. Jackson's like, "Hey, lady, get off the goddamn phone!" and just like hacks <laughs> up, just genius. Yeah. genius and then like when he first meets him he's t- questioning um you know about his name and he's like zeus is in i'll shove a lightning bolt up your ass zeus like just fantastic it's really great genuinely you, tell, you know mctiernan will have made flourishes on that script um like he did with the original Die Hard. the one thing that i've really come to appreciate about him as a filmmaker and it's interesting because growing up i didn't realize that he was responsible for so many of the movies that i loved like but as i've gotten older and obviously more interested in film um just seeing his name pop up over and over and over again. And I feel like he deserves, you know, he is, he is revered as an action director, but I mm. feel like he 
is up there with the big pantheon of action filmmakers. Like, he should be more talked about than he is. And that might be me showing my, the fact that I don't travel in, like, <laughs> big film circles, but he's so good. And the one thing that <laughs> I think that his movies crystallize from the off when we get Predator in 87, and then we get Die Hard, then we get The Hunt for October, Last Action Hero, with a vengeance, right? All these movies illustrate a profound grasp on the action genre, not just in terms of how to film compelling action, you know, and he does it so well. And he also had some great directors of photography, like for Hunt for October, it was Jan de Bon, and that's some of Jan de Bon's best stuff ever. Um, but also, in the sense, the idea of like genre tropes, Predator, you know, Die Hard gets talked about as being like the first movie, well, one of the, as a movie that really subverted the action genre and changed the perception of what an action hero could look like. And I totally agree, you know, John McClane is a sort of trailblazing character. You know, we obviously had a bunch of vulnerable heroes in the 1970s, but there is that kind of like, you know, he's not an Adonis. He's not a god like Schwarzenegger (laughs) and Stallone, right? Predator, at the same time, does subvert tropes. You know, you have these immaculate guys and you put them in a slasher movie and have them off one by one. You know, Last Action Hero, it's this great introspective look at Arnold Schwarzenegger's screen persona, the action genre, the kind of, you know, the kinds of action movies we've gotten over the 1980s. With a vengeance, it's not... I don't think it's as interrogative. I don't even know that's a word. I don't think it interrogates the action genre as much as McTiernan's other stuff. However, like Hunt for October and all those other movies, um, it just... It exemplifies everything that's great about him as a filmmaker. You know, that frenetic pace, well-shot action. um, You know, just that... The great tension. And, like, it's just... it's, It's so... It all comes together so well. And, like, there are so many... You know, there are, there are lots of great action sequences in the original Die Hard, but I think my favourite action sequences in the franchise, if I was to do, like, a top five, all of them would be in this movie. Like, mm-hmm. we have the great elevator shootout. We have the taxi, you know, race. We have the train explosion. Oh. Um, and, you know, we have, like, the... Um, oh, God, there's another bit. We have, like, the, the, the fist fight on the... Um, on the on the boat. Okay, well, I'll say actually the fist fight <laughs> in Die Hard with um oh god, what's his name? The blonde haired guy. I should know oh, his name. That's I know terrible. who you're talking I can't about. remember his name. Um, but he takes the, the machine gun off. Yeah, the, no, no, no. Yeah. The um the the his brother that gets mad about him being killed and oh. he has that great bit and he hangs him up by the chains yes. at the end. Yeah. Okay, so I think that fight is better than the fight we get on the boat here. However, um this bit kind of like blows all the other ones out out the water because we have that scene where they're in the car um racing along the freeway and then i think zeus yanks out is it i don't know i don't drive is it power steering what does he yank out of like the the wheel <laughs> so that john mcclain can do like a fucking 360 turn and like, as he's doing the turn just blow away the dudes that are pursuing them and then they flip the car and oh my god i love this movie <laughs> Yeah, it's mind-blowing. And it is, like, as you said, it's one of those movies that when you think of all of the big action sequences, even just, like, the more kind of, like, the smaller moments as well. Like, the, the moment when, you know, they've got the wire across the from the bridge going onto the boat and, like, they're kind of going along the wire and then the guy sees them and then it snaps and cuts that guy in half. Like, it's just, it's bewildering and just that it's not just, it takes a little moment like that. You think, okay, they're just getting onto the boat and it becomes a big thing. You know, like they're just getting in a taxi becomes a big thing, right? Racing down like Manhattan. Like, I love this. It's like the germ of an idea that just, it's not just a single shot moment and it's done. It just, it grows into something bigger and bigger and just adds more to the tension. 
that's what I love about this. And every single action scene, my God, is shot so, so incredibly well. Like, you feel like you're there, right? And like, when you imagine the logistics of how they film some of this, like the cameras and cars going alongside them and everything in New York of all places, it's genuinely like breathtaking. It just feels so lived in and believable yes. and real. Like even the absurd stuff, like it's so good. Like um, all of it is stru- is structured so well. The only thing that I think the film maybe wobbles on is the final uh, shootout with the helicopter and stuff. And I think that is because you know they did they did another ending where it was like i think after salmon had got away it's i don't know if you've seen the alternate ending where it's them in a random like is it like a swiss like pub or something and then yes. he has the, the rocket launcher and they're twirling it which is totally totally at odds with the rest of the movie so i see why they got rid of it because john mcclain there feels more like a, a like a spy than he does like a yeah cop. so i see where they got agreed rid of it. but i do think the ending finale here it does feel a little just a smidge bolt on even though i like it like it does feel a little you can tell that there was you know, some snipping going along. <laughs> mm. The ending for me, like, fits perfectly. I love the fact that it ends with him on the phone. Like, yeah. I just think that's such a character. That's like an arc within this movie for him, you know, starting off being at his absolute worst from the conversation he has in the car, obviously, with uh, Zeus talking about this. And he's like saying, you know, you should give her a call again. And then he does, you know, like, and it, we just watch that play out as the credits roll, I think is genuinely fantastic. But I agree, like, you know, that ending is a smidge it lets it down just a little bit because Simon doesn't have to get in that helicopter and do that. Like he's been smarter than that all the way up until that point in the movie when he's like, no, no, I'm now going to take out McLean. He's had opportunities to do that before. And it is kind of like setting up because he has to die. And it does feel a little bit like that, but we can forgive it because man, when he shoots those wires and they catch up in the helicopter, I mean, it's just, you know, and then we get his famous line again, you know, like, yes, yippee yeah. you know, it's just, it. that is perfection. The fact that it's rounded off like that. Yeah, yeah. I, should, I do love that. We should talk a little bit about Simon and his relationship with McLean here. We talked a little bit about it at the beginning, about how they kind of have really good chemistry. Like, even though McLean is, like, so fed up with this guy who is basically toying with him, like, he's, like, a dying rodent and he's the cat. Um, <laughs> when they actually meet up together, like, Simon and, and McLean, it's just, they have banter. Like, even the bit where McLean is trying to needle him, he's like, God, your brother was such an asshole. Simon's just like, oh, yeah, you really had his number there. Like, I know he's <laughs> having a bit of a joke there. Like, he's still upset about losing his brother, as is evidenced by the fact that when McLean finally catches him and he's been outwitted, he, mm-hmm. you know, has a moment of rage and goes out on the helicopter. Um, it's just, I love the interactions they have in this one. Um, like, it's very much a case of, like, you know, in the first one, John and Hans are constantly going at it with each other, trying to, like, outmaneuver, outwit, out-antagonize, out, you know, frustrate. Um, here, they're trying to do the similar routine, but it is different. Like, it's still ultimately a payday for Simon. McLean is just a bonus, and mm-hmm. while they're there, he might as well have his fun, but he can still, like, he's not so emotionally tormented over it that he can just, like, you know still have a bit of crack like i really <laughs> like that kind of relationship they have <laughs> oh yeah I, I i think you hit the nail on the head when you said it's like you know mclean is his player thing all the way through this he knows he's got the upper hand and in a way and bear with me for this it reminds me a little bit of hannibal lecter and clary starling and the fact that <laughs> there's there's respect there do you know what i mean yeah. for one another and i think you know that in silence of the lambs which is one of my favorite movies of all time oh hell yeah like i mean i could talk about that for hours but you know, the respect that they have for one another, even though they're complete opposites, shines through. And that's what makes them so magnetic together in scenes. 
And I think that's the same for here because a lot of this movie for a long time is a mystery. You know, we don't know who Simon is. We don't know what Simon wants. And that slowly is unraveled through the movie. And we get to find out just how dangerous Simon is. He's just a voice on the phone to McLean for a long time, right? And yeah, it just, it builds up so much chemistry, even though we don't see them on screen for a whole lot of time until the end. His introduction is so good as well. (laughs) Isn't it just? Isn't it perfect? I love it. But that's Jeremy Irons for you, man. Like, he's just... He's one actor who could literally change his face in the subtlest way. And it's suddenly it's gone from, you know, this charismatic, lovely man to danger. And that's just dropping a smile sometimes. And that is why he's magic as Simon. Yeah. So there are two scenes I want to talk about here uh, in regards to Simon. One is, um, so obviously like, you know, the first, like, I forget how long. I'm really bad at keeping track of like timestamps in movies. So I really get like the placings <laughs> wrong. I think like for the first like 45 minutes, it's all the bomb stuff. It's all like, you know, yeah. race against time to defuse the bombs. Have that great kind of cat and mouse thing going on. Then McLean and Zeus are called into the van with the FBI agents. I love, I love how they do this scene where they reveal that it's Simon. Because I feel like if it was any other franchise, like oh we're bringing back, you know, he's related to the to the to the yeah. villain that everyone loves. Everyone would maybe like roll their eyes or whatever. I love the way they do it here. It's so cleverly like layered and paced, where you have the you know, it's, it's very slow. There's a very deliberate kind of, like, teasing tempo here where it's like, you know, they're constantly they're like, what do you know? What do you know? Here's another question. Here's another question. And then they're getting more and more impatient. And then slowly the guy in the background is like, you know, this is Simon Peter Krieg. His birth name was Simon Peter Gruber. And you have that great, that great shot where it cuts back to John's just got that blank stare. Or that, or that intense stare, rather. And it's uh, the the re- reused footage from the first Die Hard of, of hands yes. falling off, just for, a, just for a brief bit. And that bit, when I was a kid, completely piqued my interest. I was like, I have no idea who Hans Gruber is, but I guess he's really interesting. Um, mm. But it's just... Um, I love I love that entire scene. Um, as they come, And then obviously Simon calls again. Um, but that... That is great. I forget who did the music for this, but it's all really, really well done. Uh, Michael Kamen, of course. Um, but yeah, yeah. Sorry, just wanted to talk about that scene. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a gorgeous scene. Like I love that they need McLean more than he needs them. You know, and they're trying to not let their guard down and their cool down. So they're still trying to play up to who they are, but at the same time, they're basically saying, "We need your help." And I love that how there's that back and forward between them. And as you say, there's just a sense of calm dread in that scene how calm they are i love that when simon calls and he says oh you're still chewing on your glasses and he like takes his glasses out of his mouth just all of that all of those little moments it's like they it's like it's like a power triangle where like mclean's kind of sitting at the bottom these guys are sitting just above mclean so they think until that switches round. but then simon is still at the top you know and he's got all of their numbers straight away and just the way simon laughs down the phone it's just so Ah, it's he's, it's beautifully done. So the first shot, correct me if I'm wrong, the first shot we see of Simon here is he's on the rooftop looking down, isn't mm-hmm. he? Um, mm-hmm. While they're having this meeting, I believe. That's uh, correct, and yeah. then they And then they drive away, disperse to try and find the other bombs and stuff. And then Simon comes down and he has the two different personas that he has. He has the... Um, the the treasury guy who's like oh we're we're coming here with and I, by the way um <laughs> I love the callbacks to the Battle of the Bulge here 
like that as a war movie um i don't think is great uh it's still one worth like it's very iconic it's one worth watching you know robert shaw is really good in it um but it's not fantastic i love that callback to the whole you know the the american the german the english-speaking german units that were brought into you know so dis- uh discord behind the lines and they all spoke with american accents and i love how simon's american accent isn't flawless a few of the others are <laughs> yeah. but his is quite deliberately like not great i, I like yeah. i like that kind of a- aspect to it and the way that everyone just so gullibly buys into him um <laughs> and comes along with these, these different dump trucks and then after they've gotten the dump trucks off the subway into the the kind of the tunnel next to the the, the the reserve, he then just goes into the bank and he's now like a flower salesman from Holland. It's just yeah. so and like he, oh my god, right? So another bit from that bit that I really love. Bit from the bit is he's when the banking guy. I'm really being accurate in my screen titles here. Banking <laughs> guy is talking to him, like. It's like he's looking at him like he's a hawk. Like he doesn't yes. take his eyes off him as he's slowly walking around. It's amazing that scene as well. Cause like the banker is like all in. He's like, oh yes, come this way, guys. You guys go that way, that way. And I love that you can see all of the dread happening behind him when like, you know, Simon's men's taken out his guys and everything. And then just the second when he turns around and looks and then the realization on his face before he gets like zapped in the neck is just genuinely fantastic. Now that's what I mean about Simon. It's that sense of dread. You know, like when you, he's all happy, he's all smiley, but just he's so calculated in everything that he does. And just when you think all the time, what else can this guy do? He does more. Like, it's genuinely fantastic. And about his accent as well, I picked up on that. It's like, it's if like he's doing an impression of Dr. Richard Kimball, like with his accent, like that's what it sounds like. It's, hey man, um, it's, it's, it's really, really funny. And I loved it. And it's just so unabashedly fake, but yet it's showing how much these guys fall for it. And it, I do love that part. It's, it's well played by him. And all of this, during this scene, we get the stuff with um, when Cayman's theme kind of riffs on when John, Johnny comes marching home, which is just fantastic. Um, <laughs> and all the while you have that bit where there's the two, you know, they're raiding the reserve from the other side. And you yes. have like, uh, them t- they're, bu- they're um, you know, tunneling through the wall to get to the gold. And you have that that poor panicked security guard guy who is just like firing wildly at the wall. Yeah. And you have that great bit where they taught him, it's like, hey, maybe if you calm down, you might live through this and stuff. And he just freaks out and then she stabs him. Great heavy character, by the way. I believe she was um she was like a she's a musician, isn't she? Uh yes. is it Sam Phillips? Yes. Sam yeah, Phillips, yeah. that's it, yeah. Yeah. Um I love this. We've not really spoken about the supporting players that much here because, I mean, mm. Willis and Irons are amazing in this, as is Jackson. Yes. Okay, so my go-to for, like, cool movie team is Gerard's Marshalls from The Fugitive. Um, okay. But I do really like the little group of, like, cops that are with McLean here that you have, like... Um, you know, uh, going around with him. Like, you have uh, Colleen Camp and uh, Graham Greene as as Lambert and uh, Kowalski. I really think, you know, they actually get quite a bit of stuff to do here, and it's not like they're, um, you know, massively massive roles, but they Mm. sell all the interactions they have, and by the time you get to um, the bit at the Chester Iartha school, and they're trying to get the kids out, Mm-hmm. those performances are amazing and also um bomb disposal guy uh, is it uh oh what's his name is it kevin yeah it's it's is it kevin chamberlain who plays charlie 
Um, I, I believe I think so. It's, yeah. I think it's. I'm just going to do a quick, quick check because I don't want to get this wrong. Because this guy is a mm-hmm. hero. Um, fantastic in this though. Yeah, I love the way they do that. Yeah, it is. It's it's Kevin Chamberlain as as Charlie. The entire group of like ensemble cops that are in the periphery in the background are really fantastically well done, and they make excellent use of just like what they are given um to the point where when one of them dies the guy who's trading barbs with the journalist at the federal reserve and yes. he's like oh we gotta change them off they're all on shift and she's like that's a load of shit and he's like thanks you. <laughs> yeah and then when he he gets got i'm like oh no mm-hmm. <laughs> i'm affected no, by honestly, this the supporting cast are fantastic i mean like to talk about like the characters of like katya and rolf is it yes um yeah. so like yeah so like simon's side two kind of behind him i mean that scene in particular as well when you said when catches like i love that the build-up of when you see her slowly walking towards the guard and like we see her in camera shots and we see her like on cctv and she's just coming coming i'm sure all the way through this movie she doesn't say one word and like but i love that about her and then like when she gets up there and obviously like slashes into him and it's like simon who stops him she's like i think he's dead um (laughs) but just that you know, to do so much physical acting there, like, you know, to, to comment on that as an actor, to, to do that and bring so much dread without saying a word is bloody hard. And for her to sell that as well, for someone who hasn't done a lot of movies and is more of a musician, genius, honestly. The character, like, she, McTiernan really kind of laid it out very well, I think, with, with her. You know, like, they have the brief bit of exposition when they're like, oh, the Israeli stuck a bomb underneath her bed. They think they got her, but not her husband, or got the husband, mm. or not her, I forget. And then she also has those two scars around her throat, which could have been caused from, like, you know, another, like, you can just tell that she's lived through a lot of shit. And she's just yeah. got this really kind of, like, dead behind the eyes kind of expression where you can just tell she's a complete, like, sadist. Like, she's really into yeah. what she does. Um, yeah. And Love to the that. point where, you know, it makes more sense to her to to double cross her her love because she just enjoys Simon's, like, power play. Like, she, she finds that really <laughs> compelling, you know? I love that bit where they lock eyes as she just murks, um... Is it Otto his name? Is it Otto? I think it might be Otto. Or is it Matthias? I can't remember. Um, the Hungarian fella. That's what they call him. Yeah. They call him the Hungarian. <laughs> <laughs> That's not Otto, um, it, is, it is Matthias and fella. So Otto is the, um the big guy who wears the detective badge that McLean first shoots in the elevator. Yes. That's it. Yeah, yeah. Um and as well, like Rolf as well. I mean, like we you know, we has he has that battle with him as well, right? With like the chains when he whips him around and everything like that. He looks so much like a guy I used to work with that it's scary. So like <laughs> when I first saw him, I was like, Oh my god, is it him? Like literally the spitting image. But as well, like I love just that moment of like he always wears those sunglasses, right? And like when That's like right. you know, I know, right? When Simon's getting the vans in, you see him just briefly jump up the side of a truck as it's going by, and like the guys are none the wiser. Like I just I love that. And again, just that grumpy face all the way through. But yeah, that John McClane fight as well that he has like with the chains and like he's kind of roughing, like they're riffing with each other and physically he's much more of a brute. Like he's throwing John McClane around, right? Oh, that bit and where then... he makes contact with the, uh, he gets thrown by the legs into the uh, the wall. I was like, Ooh! Yes, I know, like killer. Like that would kill anybody else except John McClane. <laughs> and yeah, just the smarts again of him like using the chains just to take him down. Honestly, it's genius. It was it was really, really well played. Yeah, but the supporting cast, as you said, like the police officers as well, like they're doing everything which is arguably as important, right? Like they're doing like crowd control. They're saving the civilians within the school. And I love all of that sense of dread. They have their own dread that builds in the movie outside of McLean's dread, right? So like 
you know, they're there with the bomb. And like when all of that, you know, the water and everything starts mixing together in the school and they're like, oh, sh- you know, what are we going to do? And then evacuate all of it. It's just because they're playing to Simon's rules as well as McLean. And it's just genius. Like this, this double dread that we have running through the movie, it's genuinely well done. Yeah, totally. Um, we should talk a little bit more because I want one thing that just popped into my head then is how much, you know, when people think of John McLean, they think of him barefoot with the tank top on running around in Nakatomi <laughs> Plaza. However, I do want to submit for consideration that the most iconic McLean look, I mean, I could rank the McLean Ooh. looks right now, right? I really do think he's got a snazzy look in Die Hard 2. I think the cardigan's a bit excessive, but I love the little plaid shirt combo he's got going on there. It looks very cozy. Um, The the kind of messed up, you know, tan pant look that he has here with with the with the tank top on and like that kind of like short sleeve button up. Um, It just looks less and he gets so grimy and sweaty and dirty and bloody. Mm -hmm. Like that to me. That is what I think of when I think of John McClane. I've seen the imagery of this movie so many times, like whether it be the, like the posters, you know, the trailers, like the actual footage of the film itself. Like when I think of John McClane, I think of I think of Die Hard with the Vengeance. Like I think of mm-hmm. this. I think like he just looks so great here because he looks so beaten down and just kind of like just destroyed. But even though he's so crumpled, he just keeps going. He just keeps going. But isn't that. that great, though? Isn't yeah. that great? Because we watch so many action movies these days, and we get our heroes in a very slick suit, like very kind of James Bond-esque. I know James Bond does get beaten down, but, you know, we get so many hero like heroes nowadays, like, you know, as I say, in a very slick suit, they're like very action-focused, they know what they're doing, of course they're going to win, and they don't even break a sweat sometimes. Whereas John McClane, and to be fair, Zeus as well, start off mm. very clean, very clean-cut, very, like, well-breast, I guess. By the end of the movie, they are covered in blood, probably their own blood, each other's blood, other people's blood. And it's just a nice visual cue of like the hell they've been through and they are wearing that as well. And I just love that. Like it's it's beautiful the kind of imagery, like in terms of cinematography as well for the movie. And it just shows, man, these guys have been through that hell. shot where it's McLean on the boat and he's holding his handgun down to his side and the blood mm. is running down his arm, down his fingertips oh my god like yeah McTeer didn't he had the source he had yeah. it. it like just <laughs> completely amazing um i love all of it and yeah like zeus himself is obviously an amazing part of this movie like samuel jackson is just explosively brilliant um oh. he's so captivating to watch and he just he's such a great foil for mclean mclean who's so exhausted and cranky and headachey and you've got zeus who's like you know confronting him at every turn i love yep. that and then the, the friendship that they get from there is that zeus holds mclean to account and mclean also pushes zeus to, to you know like step up which i also really liked you know they yes. they're both like it's not just one it's not just a one-way street they're both improving the other and that's you know that's the essence of all great buddy cop movies really um mm-hmm. but they're just such an immaculate pairing and it it does kind of you know, thinking that we got two more diehard movies after this, you know, one which I haven't actually seen because I've heard it is so bad, which so I'm not actually <laughs> going to watch it. But and I know that is kind of like a buddy situation where it's with him, it, it, with his son. Um, I am kind of it, it does. I'm kind of confused. Well, like I said, no, Die Hard Four. Ignore me. Die Hard Four had Justin Long in it, and that is kind of like a buddy situation as well. I think here they they saw the value of pairing McLean off someone else. Obviously, you know, the first we have Al. 
In the sec in the second, you know, we have the entire like situation room in the tower led by Fred Dalton Thompson and stuff. But here it is like this is McLean is great on his own as a lone hero, as that kind of like high noon Gary Cooper kind of character. But here he is even better being played off against someone who mildly irritates him but just sees through his bullshit as well. Mm-hmm. I love that. <laughs> yeah. He, like, he keeps McLean in his place. You know, like, and I, I love that initially McLean is just trying to be a cop that has the upper hand with him. And he's like, cut the like, cut the crap. I'm not interested in that. Let's just get what we have to get done. But at the same time, as you said, like McLean pulls him up and like shows him, he says, look, you're better than this. You know, like in the whole, all the way through the movies, like you can do this without necessarily saying those exact words and give Samuel Jackson Zoo's character that confidence to think, you know what, like I can do this. Like Samuel Jackson's character at the beginning, you know, it says like, I'm just a guy who owns a shop in Harlem. Like I want nothing to do with this. By the end of the movie, he's not that same shopkeeper. You know, like he's been through all of this and has actually helped, you know, and I love that he gets his own arc. He could just be an attachment to John McClane. But when you look at the moments when they split up and do their own thing and come back together, he has really helped fundamentally everything that's played out in the movie. Plus, Samuel Jackson can just talk to me and read from anything and I'll just (laughs) eat it up. I mean, like, you know, we're in the 90s, you know, we've got Pulp Fiction as well. Another fantastic character right there. He's just He's the epitome of cool. And as well, when you give him a character like this, you can give him breadcrumbs and he makes it a meal. It's genuinely fantastic. One of my favorite things about Zeus in this is that he's paired with McLean. At no point in the movie is he made out to be like, you know, he can kick ass. Like he's still slightly in over his head. He's, he's caught in a really extraordinary situation. So the bit yeah. where they're on the boat and they have that great bit where he's stepping up and being brave, being like, I'm going to jump it. And then they, you know, they figure out their own way down. And mm. McLean gives him the gun. He's you know being told how to shoot it and stuff. Um, and he gets them done because he's left the safety on. Like that is such a human like moment. Like I feel like in any other situation now, people would be like, ah, oh, I don't know what. I'll just switch the safety off and just shoot. That bit for me is great. And also when they're tied together around the big bomb, and you know they're, they're getting like the oh, man. I just I love I love Zeus. Zeus. Yeah. All glory to Zeus. <laughs> Especially when he's saying to him, he's like, look, just leave me, just go. Like, just go. And McLean doesn't. And I love the fact that McLean doesn't let him go because, again, you know, you can talk about this has been explored in a thousand movies, like, what is one life for the sake of, like, thousands, right? But McLean can't settle for that. And I love that he's like, no, no, we've been through this together. You have actively saved me on so many occasions. I am not letting you go and gets him out. And it's just, it's incredible. And then, you know, there's so many points as well where Zeus can say, you know what? I'm out of this. Like, this is way too much for me. But once he's in there and the, the learning, the, the journey that he goes through himself, of course he goes through hell. He gets shot for God's sake. But by the end, it's so warranted. You know, and I love that when McLean goes after um, Simon at the end as well, like he's right there in the same helicopter that came down to basically rescue him. And he's like sitting there on the road at the end as well. Like, but the it's just, it's beautifully done. Yeah, totally. And like the film, you know, they all get so many iconic moments to play off. We've spoken a little bit about like our favorite scenes and stuff. There is one that I did want to mention that I completely forgot, which is um, I love the tunnel sequence in the movie where they're in the uh, the viaduct, and I love truck driver. What's his name? Is it is it Larry? Is it not Larry? What is it? What's I think it's Larry. Name? Or is it Fred? No, it's not Fred. Oh my god! I, I can't. I think you're remember. right. I can't remember what his name is. Uh, hang on. I think I'm Disney say like didn't I'm know gonna, that Larry. I'm gonna die hard with a vengeance. Uh, truck 
driver driver all my research here it's all really good jerry jerry oh jerry 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 parks yeah (laughs) (laughs) i love jerry parks in this he is a man with a hobby he loves his history and i love that where it's like they have the whole back and forth and the great bit where they go into the tunnel and john just mercilessly kills the two guys he knows are fucking thugs because he knows they are and then he comes back uh, again, great line delivery there. It's like, got a call of a dashing little red guy, a light up reindeer, you know, whatever. And then mm. um, he's like, oh, I need to figure out what the, something about the 21st president of the United States is. He's like, oh, just Ray Arthur. I love yeah. Jerry Parks. Great character. <laughs> he's fantastic. Even just the moment when he's like, is that guy dead? And he's like, mm. he is He is Jerry. He's dead. Oh, it's Jesus. Just- yeah. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, I love it. And as well, like, the winner, he comes with that answer straight away. And he's like, did you know? And it's like, give him these random facts. And at first, McLean's like, my God, I'm stuck in the truck with this guy. <laughs> he's like, I didn't know that, Jerry. Just keep driving. And by the end, when he gives him that answer, like McLean's smile when he looks back, and he's like, I didn't know that, Jerry. Thank you. And like drives off. So he's got the answer. It's just, that's poetry in a movie for me. That really is. It's, those, yeah, yeah, that was lush. Those are some of my favorite moments in the Die Hard franchise. It's just McLean interacting with like those first, like obviously you know it's kind of the series is predicated on that charm. Like you have in the first one, he's meeting Al for the first time. Yeah. In the sequel, he's interacting with like you know some bristly new uh, uh, airport officers, you know, including Lorenzo and 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 all the other stuff. But that kind of those interactions are great, and I love. That little, that little, you know, it's, it's Bruce Willis to a T, that little twinkle-eyed, kind of, like, charming, you know, oh, man, Willis was just so great. Like, such a great, great actor, and I feel like Die Hard with a Vengeance, it really does, it exemplifies everything that I love about him. You know, it, it it's, he gets to bring a new edge to McLean that, you know, to be fair, you know, obviously in the previous movies, McLean has a lot of grit to him. But I, I just, I really fall for this, um, this, this kind of downtrodden, beaten guy who still has to find it within him to overcome adversity. I think it's just really, really good. Like it's, um, it's a great way to to build on that character, and I just think it's a great example of ingenuity that you get this script that obviously was developed for something completely different, and they find a way to make it, you know. To, to, to innovate on the diehard formula do something different do something braver you know make it a buddy cop movie make it that we have it you know as this kind of race against time terrorist cat and mouse thrower in the first third <laughs> and then switch it back into that classic heist thing and then not actually have a firefight for like the first hour or whatever and all throughout that time be compelling as hell and that is why Die Hard with a Vengeance is one of my favorite action movies of all time and, and absolutely my, my favorite Die Hard movie. Oh, like, you know, Bruce Willis himself, just this is a masterclass in how you're an action hero. He's genuinely great. I mean, you, you look at his other performances, you know, like we've seen him do like action before, like in different, like in Pulp Fiction's, you know, quite action packed as well. But I mean, stuff like Death Becomes Her and Moonlighting. I mean, the guy's got range. I mean, even The Sixth Sense, right? But again, like, what I love about this role in this movie in particular is that we don't just see action hero John McClane. We see so many different sides of Bruce Willis and what he does really well. All the way through this movie, we see like elements of it come out. As you say, that cheeky smile in the van, like that is Bruce Willis. And that's what he brings to John McClane. That little moment is magic. And all of it, all the way through, the way he carries that <laughs> that migraine all the way through this movie and continuously reminds you he's got a migraine. And that isn't just in him saying, I have a headache. It's the furrowed brow. It's the, I can't be bothered with this. Just leave me alone type attitude. You know, the, the way he's talking, the way that like 
in many ways, Zeus shuts him down and the way he starts to respect Zeus after that point. All of the conversations he has with Simon as well, everything is just a big tick and it's credit to Bruce Willis, honestly, man. So sad with obviously the recent developments of Bruce as well. But honestly, like these are the crowns and the jewel. Uh, sorry, the jewel in the crown of Bruce Willis and his incredible legacy. It's just, if you ever need to watch a movie and figure out who Bruce Willis is, start with this. Oh, so well said. I, I, <laughs> again, like, it's nice to have had this conversation because I feel like the only person, like, I feel like this is the first time I've actually had a conversation about Die Hard Vengeance, Die Hard with a Vengeance with someone that <laughs> is as endeared to it as me because I really do Honestly. think this thing is, like, just... It's the tits. It's fucking fantastic. Um, Honestly. I don't know if I have anything else to add on there. It's kind of been a bit of a scattergun, zigzaggy podcast, but I think that's kind of, that's been emblematic of the excitement of diving into this one because (laughs) it is like, it's, you know, it's in the podcast intro for a reason. It is a beauty of a movie. Um, Mm -hmm. And yeah, I don't know. I don't know if you had anything else to add to it. Just honestly, like if you haven't seen this movie, one, like how is life under that rock? But more importantly, (laughs) Go and watch it. It's like of the Die Hard franchise, which, you know, I'm the same as you. I haven't watched the most recent one because I've heard terrible things as well. And John McClane lives in a special place for me and I can't see that happen to that character. But go and watch it. And like, it's, it is the epitome of that dad movie. You know, like it's a summer movie, as we said at the beginning there. It takes, like, it's setting out of the Christmas kind of movie, which is so attached to the first movie, right? It's just go and watch it. Go and sit down, like, you know, Get yourself some popcorn if you're feeling really frisky and just put it on. Because honestly, from start to finish, it is nonstop fun. Genuinely a fantastic movie and you will not be disappointed. Yeah, totally. It, like, again, I would like to reiterate that this thing really does make summer its own. Like, you know, like Die Hard, you know, it gets spoken of as a Christmas movie all the time. Like, with a vengeance, you know, it owns the summer. Like, this is the king yeah. of summertime. It's fantastic. Um so yeah, this has been our little discussion on Die Hard with a Vengeance. Thank you, Adam, so much for joining me on this very, very warm Monday uh, <laughs> in the northeast of England. Where can everyone find you? Sweet. So if you want to follow me, uh, I am at Strawn87 uh, on socials. You can find me there. If you want to follow the two podcasts that I mentioned earlier, again, they're called Last Week On and Into You Podcast. If you type that in on any podcast platform, uh, you can find them on there as well. If you want to follow the socials on there, they're on Twitter and Instagram. It's at IntoYouPod and at Last Week On. Perfect. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining me. Um, before we go, I want to give a quick shout out to our patrons. Thank you so much to Christopher Darby, George Jackson, Thomas Mulgrew, Shaka, and Josh Brown. Remember, if you want to go and support the podcast on Patreon, you can do so. We are We Love Dad Movies there. You can follow me on Twitter if you want to, at Ewan Ruins Things. Most of them are on Instagram. And also on Letterboxd, just Ewan Patterson, if you want to see what I've been keeping up with on my old Letterboxd logs. But yeah, this has been <laughs> this has been the We Love Dad Movies podcast. This is the second installment of our Summer Vibes season. Um, God, I don't know how, I don't know how we, I think we maybe peaked too early. <laughs> <laughs> what can follow this, right? What can, but yeah, uh, <laughs> thank you again, Adam. It's been a pleasure and I'll see you at work later in the week. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, you, and this has been my pleasure. And yes, I will see you at work very soon. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye, everyone. Bye.